the Spiritual Warfare, Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. Today is April Fool's Day for the fools who do not believe in Jesus Christ. But for us, I'm going to call it, it's April's Wise Day, for we embrace Jesus. When you embrace Jesus, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So we are April Wise People. So today we are glad to have you on board with us today. Welcome to the University of Spiritual Warfare, Bible Code 7. And we are going to have a good time tonight in the Word of the Living God. And we want to take your faith and take it from where it is and kick it up a notch. So this way you have more faith in Jesus and you'll see exactly what's going on. So let's get right into this Word tonight. Tonight, we want to talk about no insults. You cannot be insulted. When you're in Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. The Bible calls insults, reproach, shame, mockery, scorn, insult, the reproach. Well, when we come to Jesus and you understand your authority in Jesus Christ and the, what you carry, what you possess, you know that you cannot be mocked, you cannot be insulted. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. It is being said today in our culture, in our world, by young people and even, and even older people too. Is God still relevant? Why do people still talk about God? Is he dead? Is he still relevant? Why do they talk about God? I remember about two, three years ago, a young lady looked at me and she said, oh, I don't believe in the God anymore. I believe in science. And she began to tell me that. And I looked at her and I laughed. And I, I didn't say anything because, you see, at one point in my life, when I was a young man, younger man, I should say, I was in university, and I reached a point in my life that the teachings I received in university taught us that God does not exist. God is not relevant. It was as if God is dead. So that question is being asked today. Is God relevant? Is he still relevant? Is God dead? Does God matter anymore? Because when you look and see what's going on in the church and you see the shenanigans and you see the song and dance and you see all this stuff going on and you hear the preachers shouting and carrying on and you hear this church is uh, doing it this way and this church is doing it this way and this is this denomination over here and this denomination over here and we believe this and we don't believe that. And you see a fight between churches contention between churches, but you're not seeing any sign of anything, any sign of power, any sign of anointing, any sign of signs and wonders among the church. So the people are wondering, what's going on with the church? Is God relevant? God must be dead. Does God matter anymore? And when you look at the culture, you can see that Satan has moved up from an entertainment figure. When I was a younger man, you used to have Casper, the friendly ghost, and you used to have certain little cartoon ghost movies and that kind of stuff. And then as time progressed, they have some real horror movies. And now we're seeing Satan coming up and he stopped being an entertainer and stopped being entertainment 
and he's, he is becoming a serious contender for attention in today's culture. So much so that just recently they made and designed 666 pairs of black Nike sneakers. And inside of the soles of the sneakers, there are red dye that looks like blood. And inside that dye, there is one drop of human blood in each foot. Yes, it's a pentagram on it. And I saw a picture today of Miley Cyrus, a young woman, multi-millionaire, famous among the young people. She had her pair of Nike Satan shoes on. And of course, there are only 666 of them. And it was sold out in less than about a minute, I read. So Satan is becoming a serious contender for attention in today's culture. And then we are looking at some things that people are looking to diss Jesus. And they're looking to diss God. And they're talking bad, as if to say God is second rate and second class. And we want to make sure. I want to release this word because, you see, God has given us some power and authority that cannot be insulted. And what is happening today is that there seems to be absolutely no power. And that's the reason why God released Bible Code 7 to me and gave me the blueprint, the prescription, the strategy of Code 7 to bring back his power by releasing his word and having God respond to his word in the culture because God will respond. He will give a response. Response When we call unto him, he said, I will answer you and I will demonstrate my power to you. So I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles with me and let's go and take a look at certain scriptures and we're going to see exactly what God is all about and what does God expect of the people and see how God backs up his people because God wants to demonstrate his power. But he just doesn't talk from the sky. This is God speaking. And then he comes up and he does something. No, 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 no. God needs a person, a man or a woman to work through. And that's you and you and you. And that's where you and I come in. So turn your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings 1. God is looking for you. That's why you're on this line tonight. God is saying something to you that he needs you and he needs your mouth. But he needs your faith. He needs you to put your faith in him. And he needs you to understand that without faith, you cannot please him. So we need a faith adjustment. We need a faith checkup from the neck up. And this is what the Lord is going to do tonight. Two kings. Chapter 1, 2 Kings chapter 1. Now, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. As Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and he was sick. So he had a fall, and he became sick. This was the king. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, whoa, Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Go and inquire of Beelzebub, the lord of the flies, 
Satan himself. Ask Satan. Satan, will I recover of this sickness that I have fallen into? And Ahaziah was the king. So here he sent to ask of the devil, the god of Ekron, whether he should live. Let me pause right here. Do you know that so many people today, they are going out and they're going to the palm reader, they're going to the psychic. <laughs> they're going to different people who can tell their fortunes. And what do they want to know? They want to know the future. They want to know which way to go. So here we have Ahaziah. He wants to know, oh, will I live? <laughs> here, before the boy took the time out and started thinking about him getting well, and uh, he said, will I live or will I die? But being the king and living a good life, he didn't want that good life to stop. So anyway, he sent and he asked of Beelzebub, the devil. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the man of God, the Tishbite, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria. Say to them, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're inquiring of the devil, the God of Ekron? Don't you have a God? Why are you inquiring of another God? Why are you inquiring of the devil? That's the question. And he says, give them this response. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed where you are gone up, but you shall surely die. <laughs> Tell that boy, Ahaziah, you're going dead, buddy. You're dead meat. Oh, love that. Woo! Tell him he's dead. <laughs> You shall surely die. You will not come down from your sick bed. You're going to die. Hmm? And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why you not turn back? Why have you returned? They said to him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you and say to him, Thus said the Lord. Thus said who? The Lord. Thus said the true and the living God. Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you sent to inquire of Beelzebub, uh, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from that bed on which you are gone up, but you shall surely die. By the way, has the Lord ever said something of this nature? Is there anyone yet? Yes, he said that to Hezekiah. Set your house in order. Hezekiah didn't do any stupid stuff like this, but he said, set your house in order. You shall die, you shall not live. Then Hezekiah, he wept, and he turned to the Lord, turned to his face to the wall, and he said, God, remember. Well, this man had nothing to say remember to, but listen to what happened. And he asked him the question, what manner of man was this that came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him and said, he was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather around his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite, the master prophet Elijah. Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. So the king was angry because the king didn't want to die. And Elijah the Tishbite said, 
you shall surely die. So here the king took 50 men and a captain of 50, and he went up to him, and he said on the top of a hill, and he spoke unto uh, Elijah, Thou man of God, king has said, Come down, come. Oh, Lord have mercy. But at least he had the respect to address him as, Thou man of God. And then he didn't have anything else to say. The king said, come down, come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, and I love Elijah. This is my kind of guy. This is my kind of answer. Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you, burn you up and your 50 men. And what happened? Exactly what he said happened. There came down fire from heaven and burned them to charcoal. Mm -hmm. Consumed them, burned them to charcoal. If I be a man of God, I want you to write those words down. I want you to take a note of this. 2 Kings 1, verse 10. And the number of judgment. Hmm? If I be a man of God, well, let fire come down from the sky and burn you up and turn you into charcoal. And the fire came down and burned them up. Again, Ahaziah sent to him another captain of 50 and his 50. And he answered him, man of God, thus has the king said, come down quickly. He wanted to boss prophets of God. Come down quickly, the king said. Come down quickly. Who the hell do you think you are? Come talking to me like that. That's an insult to me. That's an insult to my authority. You come talking to me like that. Do you know who I am? Do you really know who I am? Do you really know the authority I carry? That's why you don't allow people to treat you a certain way and talk to you a certain way. If you hear people talking to you in a certain manner, just hold your head firm and hold your head straight because guess what? That's not you. You hear some people calling you, yo, yo. No, you're not talking to me. My name is not you. If you come up to me and say, sir, so-and-so, -and -so, I'll respond to you affectionately, kindly, respectfully because you have shown me respect. But if you're going to diss me and insult me, no, 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 no. You're not talking to me. And this is the problem today. We hear such joker preachers talking stuff, like what we were talking about for the past two weeks, that these preachers are jokers. Jesus would have taken a vaccine? Come on, give me a break. If Jesus was alive, he'd be promoting the vaccine and taking it? Jesus, help them. Help me. <laughs> when I hear this, I'm, 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 I'm restraining myself. I'm, I'm tempted to say, let fire come down from heaven and consume them. But I can't say that because you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. But this, these are the things that we're seeing today. And when I see all this stuff about the Satan sneakers, of course you know what I'm saying. You know what I said. Blood of Jesus. What they sow, let them reap. You dance with the devil, the devil dance with them. Let Satan consume them because Satan is a destroyer. 
you plug into Satan, uh-huh, he will plug into you. What you, have, what you have sown, you are going to reap. So this is what is going to happen here. And this is where we get our example. So when we see a precedent like this, and we see God this, do, does something like this before, can we ask God for the destruction of those who come to harm his children? Of course you can. What did this king come to do? What did Ahaziah want? He wanted to kill it, Elijah the Tishbite. Why? Why would you say that? Well, if you remember I taught you in Matthew the 23rd chapter how Jesus had the conversation and he issued seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees and he condemned them. And he said, you, this generation, you are the generation of those who have killed the prophets. When God sent prophets to you and people to warn you, what do you do with them? You kill them. So Israel was guilty. And from generation to generation to generation, they were guilty of killing prophets even between the porch and the altar where no prophets should be killed. So they butchered the prophets between the porch and the altar. In the temple, God said no. Elijah said no, 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 no. My servant Elijah is going to die like that. I will destroy the captain and his 50. My servant is going to live. And Elijah knew his authority. Elijah could say, if I be a man of God, then said, fire come down from heaven. God could have said, no, not my son. I'm not going to do that. But he did. He sure did. So let's go on. So he sent this other 50. Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto him, said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you on your 50. The fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So this is 102 men that have died, burned by fire, called down by Elijah, answered by God, come down to destroy them. I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're seeing that it was either Elijah who was going to live or the soldiers and the king who was going to live. Well, the king, forget the old king Ahaziah. He was going to die anyway. Well, what do you want to do? You want to kill Elijah? But God said, uh-uh. My servant Elijah is not going to die like that. God is saying, my servant, put your name right there, Norman. Nuh-uh, nothing's going to happen to him. Norman shall live and he shall not die. Norman is going to satisfy me and, and serve me and, and, and answer me and be my servant. And I'm going to satisfy Norman with long life and show him my saving grace. Well, that's what God did with Elijah. God did, showed Elijah his saving grace and said, Elijah, I have a job for you. You, Elijah, are going to be taken up to be in heaven with me by the chariots of fire and the horsemen thereof. Nothing or nobody can kill you. Did you hear me, Elijah? No one, no king with his 50, no captain with your 50, 102 men cannot kill you. Armed to the teeth, nothing shall harm you. Well, let me tell you something. Listen carefully. 
People of God, listen, 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 listen carefully. Jesus says to tell you that Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, there must be a people who are alive and remaining in Jesus Christ, faith in him, will be called up to meet Jesus in the air and to be with Jesus for all eternity. For that people, as you and you and you and me, I'm believing God that you are going to be here and you're going to have faith in the word of the living God. You're going to stand on the word and nothing shall by any means, methods, or devices harm you. So please, this is the reason why I'm teaching and this is the reason why I'm bringing this word here. This is the reason why I am why, why I am the way I am and this is the reason why I believe the way I believe because of what the word says. So here, we see that the man of God called down fire from God, and God answered and destroyed 102 men, got two captains and 100 soldiers. And now the king said, the king was a determined man because he said, I want Elijah. I want to kill that you-know-what. I am not going to die. I want him to say something else. And say, I'm going to live. So the 13th verse says, he sent again a captain of a third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of 50 went up and came. And look at this. He fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50, your servants be precious in your sight. Whoa! All different ballgame, all different approach, plenty, plenty, plenty respect, plenty honor, plenty of honor. You don't insult God's man. No, you deal with God's servant in a very respectful manner, and God's servant will have respect to you. Do you know if a man of God, under anger, there's certain things. It might not happen instantly, but it will happen. I told you the story that several years ago, a driver, I was on the road a lot more, a lot more doing driving more per day, and people would do stupid stuff for me, cut me off on the road and jam the brakes on. I would say, hey, you idiot, you idiot. That was a, that's the temper I had. Couldn't control that temper. I've learned to control my temper. And you know, one day the Lord spoke to me and he told me, he says, you should stop that. Don't do that. Because if you call them an idiot with your mouth and say, hey, you idiot, if they're not an idiot, they'll become an idiot. Because I'm labeling them. I'm prophesying on them. My mouth has power. My words have power. I cannot afford to run around and even people I don't know and they do stupid stuff before you. I can't afford to call them idiots. They did something idiotic, yes, but I can't afford to put a label on them and call them an idiot. So, the man of God has authority. His mouth, his words are with power and great authority. So, he fell on his knees before Elijah. He said, man of God, I pray, let my life, the life of these 50 men, your servants, and he called them your servants, let it be precious in your sight. So, what did Elijah do? He didn't kill him. He 
did not call down fire on them. My point tonight is to show you that the church is effective if, if and only if, the church being the person knows their authority in Jesus Christ. If you know your authority in the word of the living God. And most people have not been taught. Most people don't know who they are. Most people only go to church. Most people only listen to people who make noise. And if you, if you have preachers like these preachers the other day that talk about vaccine and that Jesus would take vaccines and they are promoters of the vaccines, let me tell you something. Being very nice now, those, those preachers are not biblical preachers. They're not saying what the Bible says. Because Jesus would not take a vaccine. Okay? Let's, let's get this thing straight. Jesus would not be taking a vaccine. There's no disease that Jesus Christ has ever met that he couldn't heal. There's nothing that Jesus could not do. Nothing is impossible to him. No blind eye, no lame leg, bent over back. Even in death, Jesus raised a dead, dead little girl, dead Talitha Kumi, the widow's son of Nain, dead boy, the bear, being carried to the funeral, the, the graveyard, touched the bear, and a young man came back to life. Lazarus, you raised from the dead. And you're going to tell me, preacher, so-called man of God, <laughs> that Jesus would take a vaccine from man that some bozo made? You're going to tell me my Jesus is afraid of a virus and he would take a vaccine that some mad idiot made? Let me hold my nerves here. Anyway, Elijah kept his cool. And he didn't call down fire this time because he was what? He was not insulted. And you see, sometimes, you know, you have to kind of hold it together. But sometimes your temper get a little way, get a little way with you. And I still have a temper problem. You know, Moses had a temper problem. But I'm still counting. I've learned to count to 10. And if I didn't work out when I counted 10, I, I counted 20 and 50 and Sometimes I have to leave it alone until the next day or maybe the next day, you know. And for the past two weeks I've been trying to kind of, you know, but the Bible tells me I must be angry but don't sin. But when you say something of that nature about Jesus, that he would take a vaccine, you don't know how ticked off I am. No one knows how ticked off I am. And coming from people that I respect, yeah, that's why the church is in the condition that it is. That's why Satan is getting, getting, gaining so much of a foothold. The church has, 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 has bottomed out to become storytellers. These men are storytellers. They tell little homilies and little stories. They don't preach the word no more. They're psychological masters, oratorical, oratorically gifted, and psychological manipulators. They don't have faith in Jesus. They don't have faith in the word. Tell me that Jesus would take a vaccine. Something is wrong with you. Strong delusion has gone in your brain. Where you should be like Elijah, standing up for Jesus and standing up for the word of God, knowing who you are. You cannot insult me and treat me who you, uh, in the same mind. No, they're pallywallying with everything and everything. You can't do that. 
And this is what they're doing. And we got to understand that this is where the church has gone wrong. That's why Satan is gaining so much ground. Because people are looking at the church and saying, they're a bunch of bozos. They can't do anything. And when the time comes, the Bible is telling us, Satan will use his agents, his messengers, and do what? Lie. And the people that have the true power, because they don't know their God, they cannot do exploits. There are so many people coming today desperate for Jesus. The Bible says lack of knowledge. They are going to be destroyed. This is what we are at today. This is what we're going through. This is the problem, the crux of the matter. This is the problem that we are encountering in Christianity today. They don't know their God. They don't know their Jesus. They don't know the authority they're carrying. We've been listening to storytellers. We're having leaders who are storytellers. And some of them don't even believe in Jesus and believe in the word. They're believing that Jesus would take a vaccine today. Church leaders with multi-million dollar budgets. Thousands of people. Millions of people listening to these people. And they don't believe what Jesus preached. That's why the world is looking at the church and calling us a bunch of jokers. Bunch of bozos, clowns. Something is wrong. And it's wrong with the leadership of the church. Because the church leaders don't believe in the word of the living God. Much less even believing in Jesus Christ himself. Believe that Jesus would take a vaccine today and promote a vaccine. Tell you how low the church has gone and to what depravity our leaders have gone. Evil men. God said, I'll send strong delusions to them because they did not receive and embrace the truth, the word of God. But they believed a lie rather than the truth. This is the problem. So here Elijah straightened out the disrespect and the insult. He proved God was God, and God backed him up. Elijah could not die at the hand of Ahaziah because God had it for Elijah that Elijah must not die. He must be taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Now, let me tell you something here. I speak over you all the time. You shall live. You shall not die. With long life, that God is going to satisfy you and show you his saving grace. Nothing is going to harm you. Nothing shall by any means, methods, or devices harm you. Luke 10, 19. Why? There must be a people alive and remaining in Jesus Christ when he comes to be caught up to meet him in the air, along with the resurrected dead. You're not going to die prematurely. So know your authority and know what you carry. Let's go to Acts 13. And I want to show you something in Acts 13. New Testament here. Let's look at verse 8. You don't allow people to use you as a doormat and a punching bag. You don't allow people to disrespect you and do all manner of stuff and say all manner of stuff about you. Acts 13 and verse 8. 
talk about Paul the Apostle, our Ramble Paul. Elymas, the sorcerer, or this is his name by interpretation, withstood him. Barjesus, Elymas. So Elymas withstood Paul, confronted Paul, seeking to turn away the deputy, the leader, from the faith in Jesus Christ. He did not want Paul to converse with the deputy. Then Paul, who also is called, then Saul, beg your pardon, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Whoa, stop right there. He was what? Filled, baptized, power-packed with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. He fastened his eyes on him. He set his eyes on him. And he looked at him and he condemned him. And he said, oh, you're full of mischief. You're full of deceit. You're full of all cunning. You're a son of the devil. You're an enemy of all righteousness. You will not cease to, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? He asked him the question. Will you not cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? Will you not cease to resist God? And he condemned him. No. Hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. Thank God Paul said what he said. Had it been Norman, I'd have said something different. Mm -hmm. I'd have said something in the line of Elijah. <laughs> I don't joke. I don't play around. I do not play around when it comes to, to, to demonic people. As far as my take is on witches and warlocks, that's Exodus 22, 18. The Bible says, suffer not a witch to live, suffer not a wizard or a warlock to live. Witches, female, wizards and warlocks, a male. God says in Exodus 22, 18, do not allow a witch to live. Well, guess what? We can't run around and kill them. But guess what? When I declare the word, say they shall surely die and not live. Let the righteous judge be the righteous judge. Amen? My business is to speak the word. Let him do what he pleases. But that's what his word says. The mouth of the everlasting God has spoken it. And there's nothing wrong with me declaring what the word of God has said. Leave the business and the judgment to him. If he wants to chop them off from the land of the living, let him chop them off. I only repeat the word, just like Elijah. Elijah said, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. He did it twice. God backed him up. And here, Elijah said, you shall be, I beg your pardon, Paul, our, the apostle said, you shall be blind for a season, and guess what? Instantly, immediately, there fell on him a mist and darkness, and he went around seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. And when the deputy saw what was done, the deputy believed he was astonished. He was amazed at the doctrine of the Lord at the teaching of the Lord. Why? Paul was a doctrinal man. Paul stood by the word of God. Why? Because if you stand by the word of God, God will stand by you. Why? Because God stands by his word. 
to back up his word. You don't back up storytelling. That's why these preachers, they got no power, no authority. They're telling stories. They're giving little psychological homilies. They're titillating the minds and the curiosities of men. They're oratorical masters who know how to twist you around your little finger with all kind of gibberish. Paul, the apostle, said that this way, I didn't come to you with oratorical mastery or oratorical skill, great oratorical skill. No, I came in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul knew how to get the Holy Ghost to move. How did he do so? He spoke the word of God. He knew the word. My God, two-thirds of this New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And he declared the word of the living God. So when he spoke, and he pronounced a judgment of him, uh, upon him, you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a season. That was, that was merciful for a season, for a while. <laughs> Had it been me, I'd say, as long as you live. And if you get me too hot, you shall surely die and not live. Mm-hmm. Lord, help us with our temper. Help us to speak what the Holy Ghost tells us to speak. And I know Paul was speaking under the power and under the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't get into self. He got into the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost tell him, this is what you speak, Holy Ghost backed him up. That's why I tell you, Bible Code 7 is not about speaking your own words. Bible Code 7 is teaching you how to weaponize the word of the living God and speaking the word of God and let the righteous judge be the righteous judge. And if he want to kill, let him kill. If he want to keep alive, let him keep alive. If he want to make blind for a season, let him make blind for a season. And if he want to make blind permanently, let him make blind permanently. Knowing how I feel and how I think sometimes, I, I want to see some people cut off. Why? You're too wicked. You're too evil. Cut them off. Child molesters. Cut them off. Traffickers. Cut them off. Take them out, Lord. But the righteous judge, Jesus, must be the righteous judge. I urge you, speak the word. Find the word in the Bible. Like I'm finding here. Say, God, if you did it for Elijah, you got to do it for me. When Paul, the apostle, speak, or spoke in the direction full of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost said, tell him you shall be blind for a season. Then exactly as he told him, was it immediately done. That's the authority we're looking for. The power that we can't carry. This is what I'm teaching. This is what Bible Code 7 is all about. You're nobody's doormat. You're certainly not Satan's doormat. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You're not his dartboard and his punching bag. You're not Satan's whipping boy or whipping girl. Sickness in your body, spirits of infirmity, you're supposed to get rid of them. Nothing shall harm you. You're supposed to live a prosperous life. And you're supposed to be enjoying good health. Tree John 2. Your mind is supposed to prosper in the word of the living God. This is what we teach. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. 
You have authority. You want another one? Let me give you another one. Let's go to Ezekiel, the 11th chapter. Talking about God's servants when they declare judgment, God backed them up. Don't tell me this thing don't work. I studied this word. And Elijah is dead. Paul is dead. And this gentleman that we see here, son of man, he is dead. God is looking for some living people to use nowadays. Why? He's got to work through somebody down here. He gave man dominion authority in, in the earth. And he's looking for you and you and you. Don't tell me you can't do it. Rubbish. Don't belittle God. Don't belittle yourself. And if you don't want to be used by God, he'll put you aside and he'll pick up somebody else who don't even know nothing and he'll use them for his glory. You wonder, my God, this is a young boy, don't even know the word of God. Just got saved and wet behind the ear and look at how God is using him. Why? Because he, you've been in the church for so long and he can't find you to use you. You won't believe him. That's why ain't nothing going on with you. You're too full of doubt. I'm talking to you. You're doubtful, wavering. Let nobody who wavers with the Lord believe they'll receive anything from God. You're double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. You'll get nothing. I don't have no time for double-minded people. Lack of knowledge will cause your destruction. You need to know who you are and step up to the plate. Oh, hallelujah. Let God use you. And expect when he begins, you begin to release the word of God, something is going to happen. My God, you pray for rain. Take the umbrella with you. This business of fear and doubt and being timid need to go. You're bold like a lion. You're righteous and you're holy. Why? The lion of the tribe of Judah dwells in you. We don't have no time to play games now, church. Satan is blowing about. Satan have, people have their feet shod with, with, with the, 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 the doctrines of Satan. They got Satan's shoes now. They have their feet shod covered with Satan's doctrine, walking around with a drop full of human blood, sacrificial blood in their shoes. And don't you believe for one moment that they're walking around powerless? No! Demon power goes with them. I saw Miley Cyrus. She's a young singer, young lady. A lot of young people follow her. Smoke, dope, smoking, Miley Cyrus can't keep her clothes on. And she got her Satan sneakers on. Satan made her rich. Got millions of dollars. People are looking at her and say, hey. And she is one of them that said, hey, if you've been praying for certain things to Jesus Christ, forget him, like Rihanna. Why don't you pray to Satan? She told that to who? I, a, a school full of young people. This is what we got to contend with. And you tell me, you want to tell me, you want to keep doing things the same way over and over and over, and, and you still get no results, and you want to keep doing that? That's the definition of insanity. 
But if that's what you want to do, God bless you. That's why I wrote the book, Bible Code 7. Because I don't stand for nonsense. I got an Elijah spirit. I got a Paul spirit in me. I'm a judgment kind of guy. I don't stand for that rubbish. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't go for that stuff. So here we have the in Ezekiel 11. Let's look at the first verse. It says, Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house which looked eastward, and behold, at the door of the gate, five and twenty men, twenty-five men, among whom I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azur, and Pelatai, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these are the men that devise mischief and give wicked counsel in this city. So God made a revelation to Ezekiel of the 25 men that give wicked counsel and devise mischief in the city. Wicked counsel comes from what? Satan. They are satanic counselors. They are the wicked. They are under the, the disguise. They are under the jurisdiction of Satan. All right? So these are the men, the leaders of the city, the leaders of this nation. These are the wicked men that controls. And they stand, he went on to, to tell Ezekiel what they were saying. And the fourth verse of Ezekiel 11 tells us, God said to him, prophesy against them. Don't pray for them. Prophesy, declare against them. I've got to tell you again. Taught you before several times. You have to know when to pray for people. But you have to know when to declare against people. Don't pray for them. Prophesy against them. And this is what he did. The verse 5 says, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Speak the word of God. So the Spirit of the Lord fell upon Ezekiel and told Ezekiel what to say. Thus saith the Lord. And he began to tell and declare what the Spirit of the Lord told him to say. You hear what I'm saying to you? So when Code 7, Bible Code 7, is going to be declared, it is not your words to be declared. It is what thus saith the Lord to be declared. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, nobody prays a better prayer than those that are written in the Bible. Don't waste your time buying anybody's book of prayers. Nobody can pray better than what's already written in the Bible. Pick up your Bible, find the word of God, and say, Father, your word says, and you begin to release that word. Release the word. And then you pray the word. God is obligated to what? Perform his word and his word only. I want to remind you and tell you tonight that you need to understand that you have to get from where you are into where the position God has positioned you to be or to become. Time is short. Satan recognizes that his time is short. Well, let me tell you something. Your time is short too. 
I said, your time is short too. You need to get off your blessed assurance and get going. So God told Ezekiel, thus saith the Lord, speak. Thus saith the Lord, say what I tell you to say. And, the, and you prophesy against them. And when Ezekiel began to prophesy, the 13th verse, Ezekiel 11 says, and it came to pass when I prophesied, not if, but when I prophesied, that Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, he died. As if to say that's something strange. He what? He died. How did he die? God killed him. Well, God, why do, uh, well, God wanted to bring you in on his judgment. That's what we're here for. If God told you to prophesy against somebody and God killed a person, would you feel sorry for that person? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be like Moses. When God told Moses, Moses, you see all these bunch of Egyptians that you see today? You'll see them again no more and forever. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. And guess what? God kept his word. And when all the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea on dry land and went to the other side or on the bank of the Red Sea, guess what? Stupid Pharaoh gave the order to all his chariot men, follow me! And he took the lead chariot. When he got almost to the end, God took off the chariot wheels. And all the chariots were backed up behind them because, you see, you have to space out the chariots. And all these hordes of chariots are backed up, backed up. They couldn't go. And every last one of them were in the seabed. And what did God do? God says, now, Moses, come here, my son. And Moses says, yes, daddy. He says, now, Moses, what's that you got in your hand? It's a rod, your rod, God. He said, now, stretch out your rod, Moses. When you stretch out the rod, I want to make the sea come back together and kill all of those hordes of Pharaoh. Really? Yes, Lord. <laughs> For Norman, I'd stretch that rod out in no time. And that's what Moses did. And when the sea came up and came back together, every last one of Pharaoh's hordes, including Pharaoh, they drowned. And when their bloated bodies washed upon the seashore, what they do? Moses wrote a song to the Lord God. Miriam grabbed her tambourine and a timbrel, and her and the girls, they got together and said, Come on, girls, let's dance. The people celebrated. Why? Exactly what God said. These Egyptians that you see today, you shall see them again no more and forever. You ain't never going to see them again. I prophesy over you tonight. All the Egyptians, all the witches and the warlocks that are operating against you, every wickedness that's operating against you, every wicked person, you shall see them again no more and forever. But you better open your mouth. You better begin to release the word of God. Prophesy against them like Ezekiel. Let God do the killing. Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, died. When I prophesied, Pelatiah died. Why? Because God killed him. That's why. You do the prophesying. You do the declaration of the word and leave it to God. Why are you trying to get into God's shoes? I know what it is to be viciously 
attacked by the enemy. I know what the onslaught of hell is like. I've been through Satan's meat grinder. And by the way, Satan doesn't do anything without an agent. He can't. He needs a witch or a warlock to work through, just as God needs one of us, his saints, to work through. And when Satan had one of his agents rise up against me, bewitch me, my God, let me tell you, I know what it is to be bewitched. I know what it is. I've been there. Not an easy thing. I could have died. But because of Jesus, I lived. I went through all that. I came out on the other side. I lived. I didn't die. God showed me his saving grace. Do you think I'm going to die now, knowing all of what I know? No. No, no, no. That's why God revealed Bible Code 7 to me. That's what I'm using today. I am on top of the devil's head. I'm on top of my game. Why? Because Jesus placed me on top with his word. He is keeping me on top because I release his word. I release the judgment of God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's either your foot on the devil's neck or the devil's foot is on your neck. Which will it be? Somebody's going to live and somebody's going to die. Is it going to be you that lives or you that dies? Somebody's going to be the winner. Somebody's going to be the loser. Is it you who's going to be the winner that Jesus says you are more than a conqueror or you're a loser? Because you lack knowledge, you're going to get destroyed. You can stay in your lack of knowledge all you want to. Stay. God bless you, love you. But if you don't get up, wake up off of your blessed assurance, you're going to die. You're going to be destroyed. Of course, your faith in Jesus will get you to heaven, but hey, you'll never have your hundredfold. Where you could have been, where you should have been, you're going to be judged for that. You reject knowledge, the Bible says, Hosea 4, 6. God says, I'll reject you. Not only will I reject you, I'll reject your children. Go to Hosea, the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. The word is right there. That's why I tell you Bible. But you need to get up. You need to come to grips with who you are. You need to come to the grips with the authority that you carry in Jesus Christ. You're not a pushover. You're not a doormat. You're not a little timid mouse. And unfortunately, so many of the church, millions of God's people are listening to rubbish preachers telling you if Jesus was alive today, he'd be taking a vaccine. Rubbish! He'd be promoting the vaccine and taking the vaccine. Rubbish! You tell him I said so, and I make no apologies for that. When I hear stuff like that, it galls me. And that's why the people today, the young people, and looking at the culture, 
I heard a 25-year-old young man, I was reading an article, he says, wherever you find magic, meaning black magic, witchcraft, sorcery, wizardry, you'll find passion. That's what he said. That's why the church of Jesus Christ ain't got no passion. We got storytellers leading us. People are looking to the big name storytellers, big budget storytellers. They have neglected, these big time storytellers have neglected the word of the living God and the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Not me. I make no apologies. I'm going back to the word. I'm going back to the name Jesus. Let me tell you something. I used to be an atheist for most of my life. My graduated university, Eliza, about almost 50 years old, 22 to 50, 50 odd. I've been an atheist. Didn't believe in Jesus. Didn't want nothing to do. I wasted all my years, those years. Till Jesus saved me. Would not go to church. Wouldn't go to anywhere, a funeral where I'd hear the preaching of the word of God. Would not. Well, guess what Jesus did? Well, you won't come to me or come where you can have faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. I'll come to you, buddy. And he came to me, my house, and he saved me. I wrote about it in my first book, The Hundredfold, True Bible Code 7. And when he saved me, he did a number on me, a good number. And he threw me in the bottom of the swimming pool. And you either going to sink or swim. Well, I swam. I swam, taught me through example, Bible Code 7. Then when he gave me the full understanding, the full depth and the understanding and the total explanation of it, he said, write this, son. Previously, he had told me to write. I started with three books, outlines and chapters and everything. Couldn't, couldn't even finish one book. Oh, my God. And then when he gave me Bible Code 7 and the understanding, and I began to code and be used the strategy, I've written five books now. Four are published. One soon to be published. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Don't tell me this don't work. And it's guaranteed to work. Why? Because it's the word of the living God. And anything I teach you here tonight is exactly what I write about in my books. The strategy. Biblical strategy. I don't want to go to my go 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 to heaven with all this down here. No, I want to release it so that you and you and you and your family and the younger people coming up can use this strategy and be alive when Jesus comes. Why? There must be a people that go through the great tribulation. How are you going to get through? Well, the strategy is to bring you through. Nothing shall by any means, methods, or devices harm you. The gates of hell shall never prevail against you. Can you overcome all this? Of course. You prophesy against them. Using the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. God will do the rest. Tonight, I want you to go to BibleCode7.com. We have books published there. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever fine books are sold. You can go to iBooks, eBooks, Kindle. Get an audio download. But get these books. It explains the strategy. Give it to somebody so they'll learn spiritual warfare. But you see, if you're not a victor, you're going to be a victim. And if you're not dead, physically dead, you'll be spiritually assassinated. 
That's the reason, that's the problem with the church today. You have a tremendous amount of leaders and Christians. They have been spiritually assassinated. They wear a label, look good, but assassinated. Assassinated. When the world looks at them and say, oh, is God dead? Is this, the, is this what you come up with? You're a Christian and they're befuddled. They're amazed. Because you see, what they're seeing and what they're hearing, Satan looks at it and he scoffs at it and he mocks at it. When you look at Elijah, when you look at Paul, when you look at Ezekiel, they didn't mock at Ezekiel. They didn't mock at Elijah. They didn't mock at Paul the Apostle. Why should they mock you? Why should you be mocked when God is looking for a Paul? And Elijah and Ezekiel today. I pray tonight that you'll rise up in the spirit of Elisha. Elijah, the mantle was passed to Elisha. Elisha died. No one took the mantle. That anointing is still available. Ask God for it with fasting and prayer. How about Paul the Apostle? Rambo. You can get that now because God is looking for a Paul. How about Ezekiel, son of man? Yeah, he's looking for a modern-day Ezekiel. Any one of those offices you can have. Fast and pray and say, Lord, I'm available. Use me. Whether you're male or female, whether you're 20 or whether you're 78, 80, he'll use you. You just tell him, use me, and let him use you. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Both now until he returns to get us, have yourself a fabulous, fabulous night. And we'll catch you again next Thursday night for Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. God bless you.